Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Ops Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, and welcome back to another edition of the podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Greg Watts, who is the founder of Finder. Finder is a new matching platform for fintechs and their partners. Prior to this, Greg was the head of partnerships at Visa Europe and is the purpose of our podcast today because we're going to talk to Greg about how you enter the Polish market and how you create commercial partnerships. Some of the topics we're going to cover is, you know, how did Greg actually enter the Polish market? Why would you choose Poland to launch a new innovation? And how he executed his strategy and how he engaged. So welcome to the podcast, uh, Greg. Hey, Ken, or should I say Chin Dobra? I'm very impressed. (laughs) Very impressive with your Polish. Listen, tell me about yourself, please, and how you ended up in Poland. Yeah, I'd, I'd be delighted to. And first of all, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. So I'm the CEO and, and founder of a new startup called Finder, um, which you kindly mentioned a few moments ago. So we are a platform which matches fintechs and their partners to cut down the time it takes to create commercial partnerships from maybe months and years to perhaps minutes and hours and just a few clicks. But I can tell you more about that later. But before Finder, I was responsible for partnerships for Visa Europe, as you, as you kindly mentioned. And I'd love to tell you a little bit more about where Poland came on my journey and why it has a very special place in my heart. Great. Awesome. So, I mean, um, yeah, so how many years were you in Poland for? Oh, gosh, you're making me feel old. Um, so I, was, <laughs> I, I first came to Poland, gosh, about eight or nine years ago. And I was given the brief from Visa at the time to crack the Polish market. But I thought, what does cracking the Polish market mean? But fundamentally for Visa, it meant how can we, how can we get more people in Poland to use cards, use payment cards? How do we go from, how can we enter into a market which is predominantly cash-based to move people on to using new new forms of, of, of payments? And so I created a strategy which had retailers at the heart where Visa partnered with retailers leading retailers across Poland, Jabka, Orlen, Kafor, many of them, to have their, have their people ask for visa cards at the point of sale. And I can tell you a little bit more about that, about that later. Fantastic. So, I mean, that was a while back in Poland. I mean, what were the first impressions when you approached that market? I mean, was it, I mean, were you like concerned? How would you approach it? Well, that's a great question. So once I'd actually kind of pulled apart this brief of cracking the Polish market. Once I created the strategy to work with retailers, I started out by kind of listing out who would the target retailers be for, for me to partner with. And at the time, I focused on what we called high-frequency retailers. So uh, retailers uh, where you buy things as often as, as you know, frequently. So people like grocery retailers such as Carrefour, Jabka, Bidronka, and then gas stations as well. You typically go to the gas station maybe once a week. So and the reason I... I chose those criteria because we needed to affect behavior change. We needed to get people from uh, moving from using cash to using cards. And therefore, if you're shopping more regularly in a particular, in a 
particular shot, that's going to, that at the time was more likely to lead to long-term behavior change. The very first step once I'd created my strategy was to identify the criteria for the partners I wanted to partner with. In my case, working with high frequency retailers. Okay. Very interesting. And so how did you go about approaching those retailers then? Well, um, LinkedIn was a good first tool. So once I'd identified those retailers, I then identified the types of people who I wanted to engage with within those target partners. So in my case, it was people responsible for payments, people responsible for marketing, people responsible for retail operations, people responsible for sales. And I listed out all of those types of people for each of my target partners. And then, and then we started to contact them. Obviously, having Visa behind you as a big name brand certainly right. helps to answer the phone. But nevertheless, the principle for creating partnerships with any size business is, first of all, identify the criteria of the partners who you want to work with, and then identify the types of people within them, and then reach out to the individuals within who match those profiles. Okay. So it was a combined strategy. So you contacted them via LinkedIn, phone, email, is it? Or? Yeah, all of those. We also used Visa Poland's extensive network as well. So at the time, Gosha O'Shaughnessy was the managing director for the region. Kivior was the GM. He's now the managing director for the region. So they obviously had extensive networks who we could leverage as well. So again, having a big name brand like Visa definitely helps at the start. But nevertheless, I can share some of the challenges about. So when working, when trying to create any partnership, um, whether it's with a retailer or a technology company or a bank, you have to first identify what it is that they want. What are their goals? There's no point knocking on the door of Kafor, Bedroinka or Jabka or Orlen and saying, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is all about me. You first have to understand what their goals are. And then you have to frame what it is that you've got to offer them around their goals. Many people make the mistake when establishing partnerships of just talking all about them rather than talking in the context of what are your goals and how mm. can I help you to achieve them? That makes sense. The first golden rule once you've identified who you want to partner with is making sure that you frame anything that you have to offer around their goals. So for example, if a retailer wants to increase footfall or if a retailer wants to increase average transaction value, make sure you talk about how your product or service or solution can help them to achieve their goals. Okay. And, you know, I mean, how did you identify what the needs of those partnerships were? Did you just know them from other markets already? Great question. The very first thing that we do is look up the partner's website. We look at that. We can look at annual reports. We can look at LinkedIn. We can look at multiple sources, which help us to identify what those goals are. Then in the first meeting, we play back those goals to the prospective partner to make sure that those are accurate. Mm, very interesting. That, that, that's logical. And did that, I mean, obviously, this, did that work well? Or did you have to change it quite quickly? That, um, that strategy? No, that approach, that, I've always found that approach in creating commercial partnerships throughout my career has always been effective, is making sure in that very first meeting, you demonstrate that you understand their goals. That proves to the prospective partner that you've taken the time to do your research and your homework, which immediately gives you some credibility when talking to them. Because once they say, yep, that's right, or they might say, actually, that isn't a relevant goal, but actually this one is, you then have a reference point for which to start the partnership. Okay. Okay. Great. And um, in terms of the language, you know, did you did you use always the Polish people and everything was in Polish or did you do some of this in English also? Oh, that's a great cultural question. Yeah. I, I 
studied uh, Russian at university and phonetically there are some similarities with Polish. And so I was able to, <laughs> I was able to, to use a few Polish words, which I think certainly okay. raised, raised a few smiles uh, with, <laughs> with, with my prospective part, Polish partners. But typically, even if I was the only British person in the room and I had 10 Polish prospective clients, we would speak in English, which always made me feel slightly awkward. But, but that, that's how international business is often conducted, unfortunately. It's, it, it, it's using English in the first language. But what I did learn, though, uh, culturally, was to, was, to, was to try and get those partnerships off to the right start. I did often make it clear that I spoke a little bit of Polish, and I also made it clear that I understood cultural nuances. I even lived in Warsaw for a year. I traveled across all parts of Poland, Katowice, Poznan, Łódź, Zakopane, Gdansk, Krakow. So by sharing some of my travels, I think that also helps me to break, break down any barriers. But I can talk to you a little bit more about specifically working in Poland in a minute. Yeah, great. Thanks, Greg. It's very, very interesting. Yeah, and yeah, because it's amazing that you were able to do all this in English. I mean, did you come across any problems at all or any negative kind of feedback when you started um, English? No, I didn't. I had the advantage of having the Visa Poland office behind me, who obviously, okay. obviously they are a team of, of Poles. And first meetings that we had, typically I'd have one of, one of my Polish colleagues with me for the first or second meetings. And so, I, so I, had, I was able to have that introduction. So I suppose a learning there would be if you're considering coming into the Polish market, having a, having a Polish associate or colleague perhaps come with you, introduce you to the, in the first instance, that, that would be helpful. Okay. Very inter- and also on that point, Greg, would you think that it makes sense that you have to be based in the country or do you think you could, you could take on the market from outside of Poland? That's a great question. Um, I, I write extensively uh, and speak extensively about how to create effective partnerships across, right. across markets and across new geographies. And I would strongly advise that the more time you can spend in the market, the more effective and the quicker the creation of the partnerships will be. So in my case, in the first year, I was coming to Poland and spending two, three, four days a week. And I think you have to do that in order to understand the market, demonstrate yeah. commitment, and that quickly turns into credibility. So I would say the more you can spend in the market, ideally even live there for a period of time, the better. Wow. And how does that market you think, compare to, for example, the British market? Oh, gosh. Working in Poland is so much easier than working in more established markets like the UK, France, Germany, the US. Poland has a lot lower barriers to entry. It doesn't have any legacy infrastructure. Everything is, is about 20, you know, 20 years or less old. Versus in the UK, we've got, you know, we're still dealing with antiquated systems. In Poland, there's much more of a spirit of entrepreneurialism. In Poland, there is much more a spirit of launching things, getting things done, no matter what. Whereas sometimes, and I'm British and I can say this, I think sometimes working with the Brits can be, you can have its set of challenges. But working in Poland is very fast, very innovative. And there's a hunger to succeed, a hunger to, to move forward at pace. And that that makes for creating commercial partnerships and simply doing business. It makes for a great, a great market to operate in. And I would encourage UK business, tech businesses, but indeed in all international tech businesses to consider launching first in Poland or other Central European markets because there are lower barriers to entry. There's higher mobile penetration. There's a much deeper appetite to embrace innovation. And uh, there are lower barriers to entry, which are all ingredients to create successful launches. Very interesting. And also, it's a big marketplace. Yeah, it's a huge marketplace. And geographically, it obviously has 
borders with many other countries, it's very easy to access. Regulatory uh, landscape is, is not complex to navigate. And it's a very effective, I don't want to say easy market to work in, that's not, that would not do it yeah. justice. But it's a very effective market to do business in. And when you, you know, when you, from, from the start to open up the contact with a potential partnership to actually signing a deal with them, is there like an average length of time or does it vary? Yeah, that's a good question. Let me give you the example when I was at Visa. So, so when I was at Visa, from being given the brief to partnering with retailers in Poland to activating our first campaign, it took about nine months. Okay. But that first campaign was a partnership with some of the biggest retailers in Poland, with Carrefour, BP, Jabka, Bidroinka. So perhaps creating one commercial partnership may take a lot less. But I would say on average, it would take somewhere between six to 12 months to create a partnership with a large retailer or business or brand. That's kind of similar so to, I suppose, a lot of other markets, really, Greg, would you say? That kind of time frame? Um, good question. I would say that that's a lot quicker than a lot of markets. So in the yeah. UK, and US, if you wanted to create a partnership with a leading retailer or, or bank, it could take perhaps at least double, if not triple that time. And again, this is because Poland has a much higher appetite for innovation, a lot lower barriers to entry. It's a less mature market when it comes to launching innovation, which makes things a lot faster. So I would say working in Poland compared to more mature markets is maybe it takes a third of the time, half to a third of the time than other, than other markets, which is another reason for considering Poland as your, one of your, as your, either your first or one of your first markets. Very interesting, Greg. Also on that point, you know, the value proposition in Poland in terms of commercials, because mm. obviously the numbers are much lower over there. Which is still, when, when, what would you look at in terms of how could you justify entering the market, you know, in terms of commercials? Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, the point that I haven't mentioned so far is that uh, Poland also has significant talent in the form of highly experienced, highly educated individuals who would certainly be on a par, if not ahead of, more mature markets. So getting access to talent at more affordable rates is certainly a benefit of working in Poland. Um, so the cost base to launch activity by recruiting people and then to hire technical resources and, and, and fundamentally to, to launch, costs are a lot less. But you get access to exactly the same level of resources, if not higher. Great, uh, Greg. Take care. Thank you for that information. Could I just ask you, I mean, lessons learned from before you started to after the campaign, could you give some like a summary of key points for our listeners? Yeah. Yes, of course. Now, we are talking six, seven, eight years ago, so yeah. hopefully things would have <laughs> got faster since then. But I would say, however long you think it's going to take to create a commercial partnership, double that. However much you think it's going to cost to activate a partnership, make sure you budgeted at least twice for that, because there are always things which come up which you're not prepared for. The other tip that I would give would be in the second meeting with a prospective partner, try and show them how much money you will generate for them in the form of a business case. So using, okay. using inputs such as annual accounts that you can gather from companies' websites and, and some of their strategic objectives, try and demonstrate to them how much money you think you can actually make them. Because I find that that goes a long way to motivating people. Makes sense. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Greg. That's really, really interesting. I'd love to just go back to, so to tell us about Finder, because I know with Finder, you're also going to be working with partners and, and it's a matching platform and you recently just launched it. Could you tell us a bit more about this new platform? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely love to, Ken. Thanks for asking. So 
for all of my career, I've created commercial partnerships, uh, whether it's for Visa or for other, other businesses. But as we just talked about earlier in the podcast, it's always been frustrating for me that it can take so long to create those commercial partnerships, often months, if not years in many cases. So I have always had the dream to cut that down to a matter of minutes and hours. Some people might think that's impossible, but we've created a platform, an, an AI platform, which allows, in my case, fintechs, but it could be appropriate to any businesses to come onto the platform um, answer a few questions about who they are and the types of partnerships that they're looking to create. They will then get proposed prospective partners who they can uh, work with, and they can request to get matched. If the partner who's had the request to get matched accepts that, then they'll have key contact details exchanged. So the goal of the platform is to reduce the creation of commercial partnerships from months and years to, to minutes and hours in a matter of clicks. So we've just partnered with Crunchbase as one of our founding partners. And we're going to be launching around about September this year. You'll shortly start to see press on Finder. But, we're, but our, our mission and our vision is to cut down the time it takes to create commercial partnerships from months and hours to minutes and a few hours in just a matter of clicks. So I look forward to telling you and your, and your listeners more about it as we, as we progress. Sounds amazing, Greg. I'm going to be very excited. I'm going to be watching closely. Looking forward to it. You know, can I ask you just one last question? Because you know, at the moment, we're in the middle of COVID-19. Um, how is this impacting, you know, creating of new commercial partnerships? Do you, do you well, that's, yeah, sorry, good. Well, uh, well, that's a great question. So for us, uh, Finder, uh, we don't want to say it's good timing because that wouldn't, that wouldn't be a good thing to say, but I would say it's fortuitous timing that we're launching the business at this time when lack of physical contact makes it even harder to create commercial partnerships. So with Finder, there's no physical interaction required to create commercial partnerships. So for us, it's really good. It's, I just made the mistake again. It's not good, but it's fortuitous timing to launch right now. At Finder, we don't believe that people will go back to what we consider to be normal before. We think there's going to be a, you know, certainly a new normal. And in our case, the creation of commercial partnerships, almost automating that, we think it will become the new norm. So for us, it's fortuitous timing to launch, launch right now. What I would say is if, you're, if any of your any of your readers are interested in getting early beta access, they can sign up at www.finder. That's F-I-N-D-R.global, www.finder.global. And you can see more about what we're doing to help cut down the time it takes to create commercial partnerships. Fantastic, Greg. Yeah, and I think you're right, because um, I see myself talking to new prospective clients. and It's all video call now, whereas in the past, I would have always had to meet them in person. Um, at their site, you know, and taking the call. Whereas you can do it now with video, it's much more efficient, cost effective, and also you're, you're getting to that client where that's valuable to take it to the next step and not uh, quite quickly. Whereas in the past, you know, you're doing all this traveling and you didn't know whether the next step was going to happen or not. Whereas if you can do this on a call and quickly find out whether you're a good match for each other or not, then it removes all this inefficiency. Absolutely. We, you know, we would go as far as saying that even despite a global pandemic, Tools such as LinkedIn are, are great to identify potential people to partner with or, or potential clients. But 99 times out of 100, when we send a personalized LinkedIn in-mail to the people that we want to engage with, they don't respond. And so with, with FindUp, we, we provide access to decision makers and, and stakeholders who have expressed an interest in, in what you're looking for. So couldn't agree more with you. Fantastic, Greg. Well, listen, looking forward to it. And I wish you the very best of luck with it, uh, Greg. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Ken, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.